Chapter 29, Part 1 of The Children of the Abbey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Children of the Abbey by Regina Maria Roche. Chapter 29, Part 1. But yet I say, if imputation and strong circumstances which lead directly to the door of truth will give you satisfaction you may have it shakespeare from that evening to the day destined for the ball nothing material happened on the morning of that day as amanda was sitting in the drawing-room with the ladies lord mortimer entered lady euphrasia could talk of nothing else but the approaching entertainment which she said was expected to be the most brilliant thing that had been given that winter i hope your ladyship said amanda who had not yet declared her intention of staying at home will be able to-morrow to give me a good description of it why i suppose cried lady euphrasia you do not intend going without being able to see and hear yourself certainly replied amanda i should not but i do not intend going not going to the ball to-night exclaimed lady euphrasia bless me child said lady greystock what whim has entered your head to prevent your going dear lady greystock said lady euphrasia in a tone of unusual good humour internally delighted at amanda's resolution don't tease miss fitzellan with questions and you really do not go exclaimed lord mortimer in an accent expressive of surprise and disappointment i really do not my lord i declare said the marchioness even more delighted than her daughter at amanda's resolution as it favoured a scheme she had long been projecting i wish euphrasia was as indifferent about amusement as miss fitzellan here she has been complaining of indisposition the whole morning yet i cannot prevail on her to give up the ball lady euphrasia who never felt in better health and spirits would have contradicted the marchioness had not an expressive glance assured her there was an important motive for this assertion may we not hope miss fitzellan said lord mortimer that a resolution so suddenly adopted as yours may be as suddenly changed no indeed my lord nor is it so suddenly formed as you seem to suppose lord mortimer shuddered as he endeavoured to account for it in his own mind his agony became almost insupportable he arose and walked to the window where she sat amanda said he in a low voice i fear you forget your engagement to me amanda supposing this alluded to her engagement for the ball replied she had not forgotten it for your inability or disinclination to fulfil it then said he will you not account most willingly my lord when asked lord mortimer impatiently for unable longer to support his torturing suspense he determined contrary to his first intention to come to an immediate explanation relative to belgrave to-morrow my lord replied amanda since you desire it i will account for not keeping my engagement and i trust a modest blush mantling her cheeks as she spoke that your lordship will not disapprove of my reasons for declining it the peculiar earnestness of his words lord mortimer imagined had conveyed their real meaning to amanda till to-morrow then sighed he heavily i must bear disquietude his regret amanda supposed proceeded from disappointment at not having her company at the ball 
she was flattered by it and pleased at the idea of telling him her real motive for not going certain it would meet his approbation and open another source of benevolence to poor rushbrook in the evening at lady euphrasia's particular request she attended at her toilet and assisted in ornamenting her ladyship at ten she saw the party depart without the smallest regret for not accompanying them happy in self-approbation a delighted calm was diffused over her mind a treacherous calm indeed which lulling her senses into security made the approaching storm burst with redoubled violence on her head it was such a calm as shakespeare beautifully describes we often see against some storm a silence in the heavens the rack stands still the bold wind speechless and the oar below as hush as death she continued in lady euphrasia's dressing-room and took up the beautiful and affecting story of paul and mary to amuse herself her whole attention was soon engrossed by it and with the unfortunate paul she was shedding a deluge of tears over the fate of his lovely mary when a sudden noise made her hastily turn her head and with equal horror and surprise she beheld colonel belgrave coming forward she started up and was springing to the door when rushing between her and it he caught her in his arms and forcing her back to the sofa rudely stopped her mouth neither cries or struggles amanda said he will be availing without the assistance of a friend you may be convinced i could not have entered this house and the same friend will you may depend on it take care that our tete-a-tete is not interrupted amanda shuddered at the idea of treachery and being convinced from what he said she could not expect assistance endeavoured to recover her fainting spirits and exert all her resolution your scheme colonel belgrave said she is equally vile and futile though treachery may have brought you hither you must be convinced that under the marquis of rosalind's roof who by relationship as well as hospitality is bound to protect me you dare not with impunity offer me any insult the marquis will be at home immediately if therefore you wish to preserve the semblance of honour retire without further delay not to retire so easily exclaimed belgrave did i take such pains or watch so anxiously for this interview fear not any insult but till i have revealed the purpose of my soul i will not be forced from you my love or rather adoration has known no abatement by your long concealment and now that chance has so happily thrown you in my way i will not neglect using any opportunity it may offer gracious heaven said amanda while her eyes flashed with indignation how can you have the effrontery to avow your insolent intentions intentions which long since you must have known would ever prove aborted and why my amanda said he again attempting to strain her to his breast while she shrank from his grasp why should they prove abortive why should you be obstinate in refusing wealth happiness the sincere the ardent affection of a man who in promoting your felicity would constitute his own my life my fortune would be at your command my eternal gratitude would be yours for any trifling sacrifice the world might think you made me hesitate no longer about raising yourself to affluence which to a benevolent spirit like yours must be so peculiarly pleasing hesitate not to secure independence to your father promotion to your brother and be assured if the connection i formed in an ill-fated hour deceived by a specious appearance of perfection should ever be dissolved my hand like my heart shall be yours monster exclaimed amanda beholding him with horror your hand was it at your disposal like your other offers i should spurn with contempt 
cease to torment me she continued lest in my own defence i call upon those who have power as well as inclination to chastise your insolence let this consideration join to the certainty that your pursuit must ever prove unavailing influence your future actions for be assured you are in every respect an object of abhorrence to my soul as she spoke exerting all her strength she burst from him and attempted to gain the door he flung himself between her and it his face inflamed with passion and darting the most malignant glances at her terrified by his looks amanda tried to avoid him and when he caught her again in his arms she screamed aloud no one appeared her terror increased oh belgrave cried she trembling if you have one principle of honour one feeling of humanity remaining retire i will pardon and conceal what is past if you comply with my request i distress you amanda said he assuming a softened accent and it wounds me to the soul to do so though you cruel and inexorable care not what pain you occasion me hear me calmly and be assured i shall attempt no action which can offend you he led her again to the sofa and thus continued misled by false views you shun and detest the only man who has had sufficient sincerity to declare openly his intentions inexperience and credulity have already made you a dupe to artifice you imagined sir charles bingley was a fervent admirer of yours when be assured in following you he only obeyed the dictates of an egregious vanity which flattered him with the hope of gaining your regard and being distinguished by it nothing was farther from his thoughts as he himself confessed to me than seriously paying his addresses to you and had you appeared willing at last to accept them be assured he would soon have contrived some scheme to disengage himself from you the attentions of lord mortimer are prompted by a motive much more dangerous than that which instigated sir charles he really admires you and would have you believe his views are honourable but beware of his duplicity he seeks to take advantage of the too great confidence you repose in him his purpose once accomplished he would sacrifice you to lady euphrasia and i know enough of her malevolent disposition to be convinced she would enjoy her triumph over so lovely a victim ah my dear amanda even beauty and elegance like yours would not on the generality of mankind have power to make them forego the advantages annexed to wealth on lord mortimer particularly they would fail of that effect his ambition and avarice are equal to his father's and though his heart and soul i am confident revolt from the mind and person of lady euphrasia he will unite himself to her for the sake of possessing her fortune and thus increasing his own power of procuring the gratifications he delights in as my situation has known i cannot be accused of deception and whatever i promise will be strictly fulfilled deliberate therefore no longer my amanda on the course you shall pursue no cried she i shall indeed no longer deliberate about it as she spoke she started from her seat belgrave again seized her hand at this moment a knocking was heard at the hall door which echoed through the house amanda trembled and belgrave paused in a speech he had begun she supposed the marquis had returned it was improbable he would come to that room and even if he did from his distrustful and malignant temper she knew not whether she should have reason to rejoice at or regret his presence but how great was her confusion when instead of his voice she heard those of the marchioness and her party in a moment the dreadful consequences which might ensue from her present situation rushed upon her mind by the forced attentions of the marchioness and lady euphrasia she was not long deceived and had reason to believe from the 
inveterate dislike they bore her that they would rejoice at an opportunity like the present for traducing her fame and with horror she saw that appearances even in the eyes of candor would be against her she had positively and unexpectedly refused going to the ball she had expressed delight at the idea of staying at home alas would not all these circumstances be dwelt upon what ideas might they not excite in lord mortimer who already showed a tendency to jealousy half wild at the idea she clasped her hands together and exclaimed in a voice trembling with anguish merciful heaven i am ruined for ever no no cried belgrave flinging himself at her feet pardon me amanda and i never more will molest you i see your principles are invincible i admire i revere your purity and never more will i attempt to injure it i was on the point of declaring so when that cursed knock came to the door compose yourself and consider what can be done in the present emergency you will be ruined if i am seen with you the malicious devils you live with would never believe our united asseverations of your innocence conceal me therefore if possible till the family are settled the person who let me in will then secure my retreat and i swear solemnly never more to trouble you amanda hesitated between the confidence her innocence inspired and the dread of the unpleasant construction ballast might put on her situation she heard the party ascending the stairs fear conquered her reluctance to concealment and she motioned to belgrave to retire to a closet adjoining the dressing-room he obeyed the motion and closed the door softly after him amanda snatching up her book endeavoured to compose herself but the effort was ineffectual she trembled universally nor was her agitation diminished when from the outside of the door lady euphrasia called to her to open it she tottered to it and almost fainted on finding it locked with difficulty she opened it and the whole party followed by the marquis entered upon my word miss fitzsallen said the marchioness you were determined no one should disturb your meditations i fear we have surprised you but poor euphrasia was taken ill at the ball and we were obliged to return with her miss fitzsallen has not been much better i believe said lady euphrasia regarding her attentively good lord child cried lady greystock what is the matter with you why you look as pale as if you had seen a ghost miss fitzsallen is fond of solitude exclaimed the marquis preventing her replying to lady greystock when i returned home about an hour ago i sent to request her coming in the parlour which honour i assure you i was refused the message indeed had been sent but never delivered to amanda i assure you my lord said she i heard of no such request and pray child how have you been employed all this time asked lady greystock in reading madam faltered out amanda while her death-like paleness was succeeded by a deep blush you are certainly ill said lord mortimer who sat beside her in a voice expressive of regret at the conviction you have been indulging melancholy ideas i fear continued he softly and taking her hand for surely surely to-night you are uncommonly affected amanda attempted to speak the contending emotions of her mind prevented her utterance and the tears trickled silently down her cheeks lord mortimer saw she wished to avoid notice yet scarcely could he forbear requesting some assistance for her lady euphrasia now complained of a violent headache the marchioness wanted to ring for remedies this lady euphrasia opposed at last as if suddenly recollecting it she said in the closet there was a bottle of eau de luce which she was certain would be of service to her at the mention of the closet the blood ran cold through the veins of amanda but when she saw lady euphrasia rise to enter it had death in its most frightful form stared her in the face she could not have betrayed more horror she looked towards it with a countenance as expressive of wild affright as macbeth's 
and viewing the chair on which the spectre of the murdered banquo sat lord mortimer observing the disorder of her looks began to tremble he grasped her hand with a convulsive motion and exclaimed amanda what means this agitation a loud scream from lady euphrasia broke upon their ears and she rushed from the closet followed by belgrave gracious heaven exclaimed lord mortimer dropping amanda's hand and rising precipitately amanda looked around she beheld every eye fastened on her with amazement and contempt the shock was too much for her to support a confused idea started into her mind that a deep-laid plot had been concerted to ruin her she faintly exclaimed i am betrayed and sunk back upon the sofa lord mortimer started at her exclamation oh heavens cried he as he looked towards her unable to support the scene that would ensue in consequence of this discovery he struck his forehead in agony and rushed out of the room in the hall he was stopped by mrs jane the maid appointed by the marchioness to attend amanda alack a day my lord said she in a whimpering voice something dreadful i am afraid has happened above stairs oh dear what people suffer sometimes by their good nature i am sure if i thought any harm would come of granting miss fitzalan's request she might have begged and prayed long enough before i would have obliged her did she desire you to bring colonel belgrave to this house asked lord mortimer oh to be sure she did my lord or how should i ever have thought of such a thing she has been begging and praying long enough for me to contrive some way of bringing him here and she told me a piteous story which would have softened a stone of his being a sweetheart of hers before he was married merciful powers cried lord mortimer clasping his hands together how have i been deceived he was hurrying away when mrs jane caught his coat i shall lose my place said she sobbing that i shall most certainly for my lord and lady never will forgive my bringing any one in such a way into the house i am sure i felt no great harm in it and did it quite from good nature for indeed how could one resist the poor dear young lady she cried and said she only wanted to bid farewell to her dear belgrave lord mortimer could hear no more he shook her from him and hurried from the house amanda's faculties suffered but a momentary suspension as she opened her eyes her composure and fortitude returned i am convinced said she rising and advancing to the marquis it will shock your lordship to hear that it is the treachery of some person under your roof has involved me in my present embarrassing situation for my own justification it is necessary to acknowledge that i have long been the object of a pursuit from colonel belgrave as degrading to his character as insulting to mine when he broke so unexpectedly upon me to-night he declared even with effrontery declared he had a friend in this house who gave him access to it as your guest my lord i may expect your lordship's protection also that an immediate inquiry be made for the abettor in this scheme against me and a full discovery of it extorted that should the affair be mentioned it may be explained and my fame cleared of every imputation that madam said the marquis with a malicious sneer would not be quite so easy a matter as you may perhaps suppose neither the world nor i am so credulous as you imagine your story madam by no means hangs well together there is no person in my house would have dared to commit the act you accuse them of as they must know the consequence of it would be immediate dismission from my service had not colonel belgrave been voluntarily admitted he never would have been concealed no madam you would have rejoiced at the opportunity our presence gave you of punishing his temerity innocence is bold tis guilt alone is timorous the truth of part of his speech struck forcibly on amanda but how could she explain her conduct 
how to clear it was her dread of the marchioness and lady euphrasia's malice which had made her consent to conceal him oh i see said she in the agony of her soul i see i am the dupe of complicated artifice i never in my life cried the marchioness met with such assurance to desire the marquis to be her champion as she was entrusted to my care however exclaimed lady greystock i think it necessary to inquire into the affair pray sir turning to the colonel by what means did you come here the colonel with undiminished assurance had hitherto stood near the fatal closet leaning on a chair that madam replied he i must be excused revealing let me however assure your ladyship tis not on my own account i affect concealment here he glanced at amanda those parts of my conduct however which i choose to conceal i shall always be ready to defend sir cried the marquis heartily no explanation or defence of your conduct is here required i have neither right nor inclination to interfere in miss fitzland's concerns the colonel bowed to the circle and was retiring when amanda flew to him and caught his arm surely surely said she almost gasping for breath you cannot be so inhuman as to retire without explaining this whole affair o belgrave leave me not a prey to slander by all your hopes of mercy and forgiveness hereafter i conjure you to clear my fame my dear creature said he in a low voice yet low enough to be heard by the whole party anything i could say would be unavailing you find they are determined not to see things of the light we wish them viewed compose yourself i beseech you and be assured while i exist you never shall want comfort or affluence he gently disengaged himself as he spoke and quitted the room leaving her riveted to the floor in amazement at his insolence and perfidy i am sure said lady greystock i shall regret all my life the hour in which i took her under my protection though indeed from what i heard soon after my arrival in london i should have dispatched her back to her father but i felt a foolish pity for her i was in hopes indeed the society i had introduced her to would have produced a reformation and that i might be the means of saving a young creature from entire destruction from what i have already suffered by her family nothing should have tempted me to take her under my roof exclaimed the marchioness was she my relation cried the marquis i should long since have come to a determination about her as yours madam turning to the marchioness i shall not attempt forming one i deem it however absolutely necessary to remove lady euphrasia sutherland from the house till the young lady chooses to quit it i shall therefore order the carriage to be ready at an early hour for the villa i shall certainly accompany your lordship cried the marchioness for i cannot endure her sight and though she deserves it it shall not be said that we turned her from the house the only measure she should pursue exclaimed lady greystock is to set off as soon as possible for ireland when she returns to obscurity the affair may die away it may however said amanda be yet revived to cover with confusion its contrivers to heaven i leave the vindication of my innocence its justice is sure though sometimes slow and the hour of retribution often arrives when least expected much as i have suffered much as i may still suffer i think my own situation preferable to theirs who have set their snares around me the injurer must ever feel greater pangs than the injured the pangs of guilt and remorse i shall return to my obscurity happy in the consciousness that it is not a shelter from shame but a refuge from cruelty i seek but can i be surprised at meeting cruelty from those who have long since waved the ties of kindred from those as she glanced at lady greystock who have set aside the claims of justice and humanity the marchioness trembled with rage at this speech and as amanda retired from the room exclaimed intolerable assurance 
amanda repaired immediately to her chamber she tottered as she walked of the housekeeper and mrs jane who with some other servants had assembled out of curiosity near the door followed her thither the emotions she had so painfully suppressed now burst forth with violence she fell into an agony of tears and sobs which impeded her breathing the housekeeper and jane loosened her clothes and supported her to the bed in a short time she was sufficiently recovered to be able to speak and requested they would engage a carriage for her against the next day at an early hour that she might commence her journey to ireland this they promised and at her desire retired success but not happiness had crowned the marchioness's scheme she triumphed in the disgrace she had drawn upon amanda but feared that disgrace was only temporary she had entangled her in a snare but she dreaded not having secured her in it she distrusted those who had assisted her designs for the guilty will ever suspect each other they might betray her or colonel belgrave might repent but such evils if they did ever arrive were probably far distant in the interim all she desired to accomplish might be effected long had she been meditating on some plan which should ruin amanda for ever not only in the opinion of lord mortimer but in the estimation of the world with the profligacy of colonel belgrave she was well acquainted and inclined from it to believe that he would readily join in any scheme which could give him a chance of possessing amanda on discovering her residence he had ordered his valet who was a trusty agent in all his villainies to endeavour to gain access to the house that he might discover whether there was a chance of introducing him there the valet obeyed his orders and soon attached himself to mrs jane whom the marchioness had placed about amanda from knowing she was capable of any deceitful part she was introduced to belgrave and a handsome present secured her in his interest she communicated to the marchioness the particulars of their interview from that period they had been seeking to bring about such a scene as was at last acted for the conduct of amanda had hitherto defeated their intentions her staying from the ball at last gave the wished-for opportunity lady euphrasia was surprised of the whole plot and the hint of her indisposition was given in the morning that no suspicion might be entertained in the evening when mentioned as a plea for returning home earlier than was intended colonel belgrave was introduced into the closet by mrs jane through a door that opened from the lobby and whilst amanda sat pensively reading he stole out and secured the other door as already mentioned when lady euphrasia declared she was too ill to continue at the ball lord mortimer offered to attend her home had he not done so the marchioness intended to have asked him the marquis was persuaded that amanda was an artful and dangerous rival to his daughter and he hated her from that consideration the laws of hospitality obliged him to treat her with politeness but he gladly seized the first opportunity that offered for expressing his dislike lady greystock saw through the plot but she professed her belief of amanda's guilt which was all the marchioness required the marquis left the ladies together while he went to give orders about his early journey soon after his departure a loud knocking was heard which announced a visitor and from the lateness of the hour they conjectured and were right in doing so that it must be lord mortimer End of chapter twenty nine part one